Idea Farm episode six. My name is Benjamin Light, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Kel Simpson. Um, this week, we talk about how our new school year has have been starting off. Um, kind of get into what classroom meetings are um, and how they're being used this year. Um, talking about brain images and how they kind of can prove some of these old truths that we have uh, true. Um, we get briefly talking about the one-room schoolhouse, um, education systems, universities, universities, and some Finland stuff. Uh, we talk about some books that we're reading. Um, this idea of all the different personas that we have. Uh, a very interesting question from Kel about how much of your teacher persona is you. Um, and we end with an idea that, uh, you know what, we, we all are all artists and, uh, Alan Watts makes another, um, appearance. This episode's theme music is called who we are by Hans Adam. And I found it once again over there at ddigccmixter.org. Um, so that's a nice kind of, uh, website to use for that sort of thing. Just a reminder, if you go over to ideafarm.education, you can sign up for our newsletter. Eh, I don't know if it'll be as consistent, less than consi- less consistent, or more consistent than the podcast. Um, so, you know, if you feel lucky, roll the dice and see what might happen. I think it'll have some good stuff in it. Um, and when we get some time, we'll do some more of, the, more of those idea minutes. Um, and I think that's about all. So sit back, relax, and uh, let's go. And yet I live and write while corrosion bites. And that is what makes us who we are. How's your new, uh, how's the new school year going? It's going well so far. Yeah. Just, it's busy. Everything's always, there's something to do all the time, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's a new group, right? You don't follow the group you had last year. Exactly. New group. Okay. How's yours? Um, yeah, no, it's going well. It's been nice because I've been able to, um, I think I've been, I've, uh, compressed a lot of ideas and stuff in my head um so they're a little easier to use and so um this is the first year where i've started from the beginning kind of a lot of the big things that i've wanted to do Mm -hmm. and i think that helps a lot (laughs) yeah you know because like i I think you know once they get used to something because when you learn something you want to try it but um it's way easier to just have it be part of the norm than it is to introduce it later i think so i think mm-hmm. i think i'll uh, i'll see you know kind of effective and positive things throughout the year because of that so um no things have been going very well so, like what, what's one example of something that you've been wanting to do um the way i'm doing like classroom meetings where um um 
that's a little different because usually I had used them as just a way to get to know each other. Like that's it. Like I wouldn't, I didn't use it for anything else for like the first three, four months of school. And then I would kind of slowly transition into this, what I wanted to do when it came to like, um, problem solving or using it as a forum for the kids to, to, to make decisions and uh, have influence and control over the classroom. Uh, and so I started that from like day one. So I think they, they're getting into it and they feel, they feel like the classroom is way more theirs than previous classes have. Mm. So uh, and I think I've done an effective job like listening to them and showing them that they get to have choice and they get to make decisions that impact the whole classroom. I, I mean, it's not a utopia where everything's going well. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> we struggle with time, um, but they're aware of it. You know, I think they're way more aware of things we need to work on as a group. Um, and, and so I've just been doing different things and like trying to figure out, um, it's like transitions are important. You know, like I tell them, I was like, if we're late a minute every day, that's three hours, you know, because at least if, we, if that's just one minute. So if that's one minute every time we start something, then now we're at three hours of lost learning or lost work or something. So it's, it's mm. I know it's just a minute, but like that com, compa- uh, com, compounds itself. Um, and so that's something that they've been wanting to work on because I don't, I don't tell them what the goals are. So, you know, we just, when something happens, I'm like, you know, what kind of class do we want to be? And then they have a discussion on that. Um, it's not a great one yet, you know, but we're, we're slowly getting there. Um, and so they, right now we have like, you know, we want to be timely. Everybody wants to feel uh, psychologically, emotionally, and physically safe. Um, what's the other two? We wanted to start on time. Um, uh, oh, we want to su- su- celebrate successes and have a positive atmosphere um, or environment. And I can't remember what our fourth one is just because we've been doing so much work on the time one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and so they're still, they still look at it as I'm on time. It's uh, now it's the other person's fault instead of, and I'm trying to get them to switch their lens to how can I help people? How can we actually be a team that helps each other get ready? And so one of the things I've started to do now, really inspired, I think, by another student is like um, when I'm ready, now I go out to see to the students and see what how, kind of help they need. Like, you know, what's going on? What do you need from me? You know, how can I assist to, to make sure that you're on time? And hopefully then that modeling will help the kids see, oh, that's something I could be doing mm-hmm. um, instead of just yelling at the child to be, to sit down. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically their only tool right now is just yeah. yelling at the kid. So, and I'm like, that doesn't, that's not helping anything. <laughs> but that's all, that's the only tool they have. That's Because that's probably all that's been modeled for them, you know? Yeah. Is repeating the kid's name a bunch until they sit down. Man, you're you're doing some revolutionary stuff. Ah, we'll see. I don't know. It's not revolutionary. Well, you're at least attempting. It's like 1890s revolutionary. That's the sad part, I think. Is it? Like, how so? What do you mean? I mean, because all that, that's like John Dewey stuff. And so he came up with that, like, 1890s, 1910s, 1920s. But with with what? Like, just the ownership idea? Or what what do you mean? I think so, yeah. And just, like, listening to kids. (laughs) You know, trying to help them out. Mm-hmm. not seeing them as some entity that you are because that was even 
Because that was the, I mean, he, because he was appalled at how original schools were, not, not the the one room schoolhouse, but when, when we started to transition into the industrial model, it was super chaotic and super awful. Um, and he just couldn't believe it. And so then he, he put forth these ideas and theories about things, which I have not read through. I don't want to, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I know that he has, and I know some of them, but I have not read his work. Um, that's on the list someday. Uh, but he, you know, he put forth some ideas and that's kind of Finland. Finland uses all of his stuff. I mean, they're not, it's not, nothing's new Yeah. on some level. Um, and like what's in D and did you listen to that whole Jordan Peterson, the new one with that, that microbial evolutionary biologist kind of guy. No, I haven't that podcast. Not yet. One of the things that they talk about is, um, you have to have the space to talk and to shoot out ideas because one of the things that happens is that um, we come up with an idea before we can prove it. And so the one that they talk about is in the Bible, in those stories, it it talks about how you don't poop in camp. Like you, you need to make sure that you're pooping somewhere other than where you live. And and then, you know, that turns into plumbing and that turns into da 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 and, and that was thousands of years before we understood why you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, that now, like with the brain science that's happening, uh, being able to measure and doing functional MRIs and everything is we can see what of which of our strategies are worth it. And like, and all the powerful ideas that we've had before, we can actually test them to see, you know, which ones are quote unquote better or whatever, better for the brain at least. So, but like ideas in what regard? Like, what do you mean? Like, they're 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 looking at the brain and then saying this is a good idea just by seeing the activity of the brain. Oh, no, like um, like the the only one I'm trying to. It's just because I learned it yesterday. I, we've been going to this conference, this cognitive coaching conference. I had one last year, and so this is like the next session. So mm-hmm. the last was Friday, Saturday, today, and tomorrow. Um. So for example, there we there's a skill there's you know what paraphrasing is and so with functional mris they can see that when someone is in um i can't remember what that's called but like uh i mean they call flipping your lid but when emotion has taken over your brain and uh you're pre you cannot control you have no access to your prefrontal cortex because of your emotions reside in your limbic system Mm -hmm. so if you're super upset you you have no um access to your motor, your executive functions. Like you can't hmm. think wow. about stuff. And so if you are upset and projecting and like, you know, and people just come up and like, yeah, no, Oh, that's awful. Let's try and figure it out. That does nothing for you. Like you have no access and like people are like, okay, so what do you want to do? You know, talk to me. What are, what are some things you could do? Uh, you just, you don't have access to that area. So what they have found is that when people, what ha- what they have found previously is that when you paraphrase someone, especially when they're upset, it calms them down. Um, so now when they have, they can scan your brain as you, as you're upset and someone is paraphrasing you, they now see through, it's a really f- interesting cause they, they showed like, uh, you can see, um, where all the energy is and stuff in certain areas of the brain. And so, and you can see it kind of, you can see the focus is in the limbic system when they're upset. And then after the paraphrasing, you see it kind of spreading out back up to their prefrontal cortex so that they're in control of their 
of their functions and everything. So it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a wild place we live just stuff happening all the time everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Good and yeah. bad. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that type of psychology. This is more empirical than, yeah. I mean, I like all, I like a lot of stuff within psychology, but that's yeah. way more uh, measurable, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And if they get any, if your school ever does any sort of cognitive coaching stuff where they ask for people to like get trained, I think you'd be super into that. Yeah, I would be for sure. Cause I try to integrate yeah. those ideas. I don't, I don't really know a lot of things on that level, but anytime I found little nuggets like that, I try to mm-hmm. remember that for the class. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lady um, that's at the seminar and we were talking last night. Um, just that we, you know, we both were kind of junkies on that stuff and she's getting her doctorate in um, like how to motivate, you know, and, but what the brain <laughs> science is behind motivation. Um, and so we were talking and she has access to people who, um, you know, just give classes on the latest research. And so she was going to share that stuff with me. And then we were kind of talking about how, at least in general, at least the schools that we're at where they first, they don't tend to look inside for expertise first. They look outside to bring someone in. And so we were saying, we were trying to come up with ways of which we could try to convince schools to a first, you know, look within first and then look maybe in the schools around us to see if there's expertise in that. Cause that's a way less money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, just at the beginning, it's just, you know, you're, you're saving a bunch of money. If you just, even as if through a hangout or something, just you get some teacher who is interested in it or, you know, a quasi expert who can then share their knowledge with other teachers. And I think it makes it a little mo- bit more authentic and everything. So that might be something we try and develop and then pitch to the powers that be to go, kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, no, no, it's been a good couple of days and I'm looking forward to it. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you doing that? At school? I have to go down to Medellin because of the Pope. The Pope. Congratulations. The Pope was- yeah, th- thank you. Because the, the Pope was here yesterday. <laughs> and Friday, I'm not sure the whole ins and outs of it, but Friday and Saturday, they had, I don't even want to know, like a disaster response team, I guess you would call it, camped out at our school with helicopters. And it was a bunch of military and police and rescue people. And it was, uh, it was I mean, from what... Juan David was talking about, um, it seemed super interesting because this was a system that was developed by the Japanese during that awful earthquake nuclear um, plant incident. Um, And that the Colombians have actually made some improvements and innovations on that strategy. And this was the first time that was ever implemented. So I think it was like a training exercise, but also just in case, you know, something happened because we had another million people in the city. I guess. Um, and so, so they needed a, an area to kind of practice this. And our school was like the perfect spot just with the space and where it was located. Um, so Friday was actually a virtual day. And then, um, so like the, we did school online or whatever. And then, and so we could not use the school. So now we're down. And do you remember where San Fernando Plaza is or was? Yeah. That's where our, the conference is right now. So we get to the, okay. Yeah, so it's it's good. It's been good. It's been interesting. I saw yeah, some the, live feed. It looked like an yeah. exciting place. Yeah, for sure. I didn't notice anything just from where we were because he was down at the municipal airport. I think that was in his major area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that thing had been closed for a week. So they had to route all those flights up to Rio Negro and then get them down somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you you said something that I thought was interesting. You were talking about you know the whole industrial education. I think, you, but it, whatever you know, yeah. the, the bell sound, the rose, yeah. versus the one room schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. What do we know about the one room schoolhouse? I wonder how that matches up. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I would think I think there's some pretty good stuff in there because you had f- from two things that I've read like very very briefly. I don't even know where they're from at this point because it was way long ago. Um, one of the things they think was effective was having, you had multiple age levels. And so you had mm-hmm. older kids who felt ownership over stuff and, and were helping the younger one, younger kids out. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think that's has to be positive. Like if you're, you get to teach, you know, some of the the kids, some content on some level, um, and that's ownership and responsibility. And then another thing they said was they had so many chalkboards like out in the room that as a teacher, when people were working, like you had really good access to what they were working on because it was just on the walls mm. because like all the walls were chalkboards and like people were just kind of writing and working. And so you had a very nice advantage to kind of look around and see everybody's work, which I was like, yeah, that would totally, that that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> so those are the two things I've heard. I'm, I, I don't know. I think the clothing maybe, that probably was not a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> they had to wear they had to wear a ton of clothes so i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know what the impact of that was <laughs> but i think there's some schools that do that now so what which part the um, the clothing no uh the the multi-age <laughs> the multi-age i don't know how far they go multi-age but uh, i would have to think there's some progressive schools or something out there where you have different ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know on some place on some levels, just like five and six year olds. So, I mean, that's not any groundbreaking stuff, but like, uh, I don't, I'd be interested to see how many schools do have a wide range in one room. So just thinking about how things seemingly at least got messed up with like the factory system. Mm-hmm. As, as you, I guess, you know, it's obviously at least uh, in some ways a very efficient way to educate as many people as yes. quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so then thinking about like moving forward from that, is there anything new or is it really just looking back at like John Dewey and those guys and, and just trying to do what they said a hundred years ago and finally yeah. do it? I, I don't know. I think, <clears throat> I think there probably has to be something new. Um, but you also can look at models that are working. And then another really important thing I've learned, what, since the summer, is um, what works in your context. Or not what works, but yes, this thing works. Okay, and now you've taken it, and now you're using it. You have to figure out how it works in the context of how you're using it. And so, for example, like um, we do readers and writers workshop. In elementary school and that is a that is a system and a way of teaching that that quote-unquote works and it's very effective uh and the one thing i'm working on now is thinking okay well well yeah where the the place that it's done it's done very very well 
and it's done systemically with really high level teachers. And so that has an impact on the kids, obviously, from day one. And so that's the system that they have there. And that's not the system that is at our school, you know, and the kids are, are all people who are learning English. So that has to be taken. in. so it's like, how does this system that's super effective work in the place where I am? And so that's some things that I'm actually thinking about now. So it's like, even though something works, it doesn't mean you implement it exactly with the group of children and the group of, of teachers that you have, because that that does not. If you're not thoughtful about it, then it can just be a big waste. But I think people need to be pushing stuff and they need to be trying things out and like researching and like, oh, let's try this strategy out and see what that works in our context or let's let's kind of keep up to date on things. So did I even answer your question? <laughs> I don't know. I just got captivated. <laughs> I'm not even sure. <laughs> but yes. Uh, I know it's just like, I think the thing that frustrates me a lot and I, and I know that there are schools that are not like this. It's just like, um, we need to, we need to be researchers as teachers. You know, we have, we have these kids that we can be, and I'm not talking about like tests and data and stuff, but like you, if you, you watch them and observe them and you see who they are and then you're collecting all this information and then, you know, according to brain science, what's something that's powerful to do. And so you look at that and you, maybe you just pick one thing because there's like these 12 super strategies or whatever from that, this neuro teach book that I read. Mm -hmm. um, and so you pick one of those strategies. You're like, I'm going to investigate the strategy. I'm going to find out what it is um, and I'm going to go and I'm going to try stuff out and let's you and oh, we have six people on our team. Well, you try, you investigate too and you try something different than me and let's get together and see what the results are. Um, but a lot of times the, the stuff we're trying to, like, you know, have you ever, like, just because something isn't measurable doesn't mean it's not worthy to be driven for kind of thing. Like, uh, how do you measure happiness when it comes to a student in your classroom? Do you just ask them, I'm happy? You know, you can't give them a test, quote unquote. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe you can, I don't know. Um, but I just think we need to start really being thoughtful of what we're doing and, and trying to be better every year kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember a wise teacher once told me that there's a lot of teach twenty year teachers who only have one year experience because they just do the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's really good. Uh, that always stuck with me. She was one of my like professors. Wow, mm -hmm. that is such a great way to to, to say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, horrifying, but um, <laughs> but that really solidifies it. Yeah. Because that's what they say, like, you can't, you can't look at years of experience and, and take anything out of that, hmm. especially in education. And then that's just so malpractice because it's like, uh, yeah, no, I graduated, like, if you went to a doctor who graduated medical school in 1990, they're like, yeah, no, I, I just do the same thing every year. I don't learn anything. I would be like, well, no, I'm not using you. <laughs> You're not operating on me. Mm-hmm. And this is, and I always compare this stuff to the medical community, but probably because, you know, that's kind of what I grew up with with my dad. But, um, like, what we do is so much more powerful. Like, I understand it's life and death with doctors. Like, I get that. However, I, I almost think we should start, we should be looking at almost life and a life unfulfilled, you know, when it comes to teaching. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're dealing with. And like the impact that we can have positively and negatively with children is just, um, 
is enormous. So, yeah. So how would you evaluate someone? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think we should evaluate. So, Well, yeah, I mean, just in your own, like, you, you, you <laughs> have a school, you, <clears throat> but you, you have a school and you're going to hire someone. Yeah. I mean, evaluation in that context, like whether or not you want them there, like how do you, what do you look at? I've been reading, I, I kind of paused to read something else. Oh, I have to tell you two books that I had been looking at. Have you, and I know we're kind of, we probably won't even get to compuls- compulsory stuff today and that's fine. Just a quick, quick chat. Um, okay, so I've been, did I tell you about work rules from the guy that uh, is the HR guy from Google? I think I may have mentioned that before with the calling, like people viewed the job as a job, uh, a competition. Right, 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 yeah. Um, And so Google's thing is, at least at the time of the writing, I don't know if it, I can't speak to it now because that was 2012. So this has been some years. Um, But they they understand that when you interview someone, um, you make a decision about them in the first 30 seconds, and then you spend the rest of your time confirming your own bias. Um, and so what they've been trying to do is take that out Hmm. of the equation. So they have a, they have certain interviewers. Um, those interviewers give questions, um, any kind of question they want. And there's some standard questions. Um, and then they write down, I don't know if they write down, they probably type down or have their AI record the conversation. Who knows what's going on? Um, and then uh, that interviewer then, um, rates the interviewee and then that interviewee goes through like eight or nine more interviews and then they look at the collective information and then that way people can look at the person's response without having bias towards them and so they look at the original person's rating but then people are also doing that so they really they have a committee of people looking at things independently and separately to try and take away groupthink and to try and take away um, that analysis but they also do cognitive tests so they want to make sure that you're what your cognitive function ability is first. So you have to pass that first, which I think would be an interesting thing to do with teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cause I was talking to Juan David yesterday. Um, and he was saying that in Colombia, they take a post Saber test, like a, when they graduate college and the, prof- and the, t- and the graduates with the, and, and I, mean, I know this is Colombia, but, I'd be interested to see what the research is in the States on this. Mm-hmm. The, the, gr- the graduates with the lowest reading comprehension and writing quality are education graduates. So, Wow. Yeah. Why would that be? Because uh, I don't... Uh, all right. My theory... <laughs> my theory is, because of the stuff I've read and listened to about Finland is it's we it's so easy to become a teacher mm-hmm. that it is not it doesn't we do not set up education in a compelling way for the best and brightest people to want to get into mm-hmm. because it's such an easy avenue okay to go um and so, so i don't huh? go ahead finish your thought oh uh, no so I, I just don't think that the profession attracts I don't, I'm not going to use the word smart, um, but people with, at the moment, high levels of cognitive capacity. Doesn't that just mean smart? I don't, well, because I think <laughs> in with the way that we use smart, like we believe that people are either smart or they're not smart and you right. don't have any control over that. And that's, right. that's not true. That's not true. So right. that's why. 
Yeah. I've had a lot of like this. There's this other thing now where it's like, I'm super annoying, at least with Diana, when I try to explain <laughs> something now, because I, I don't, I try not to use labels anymore. Right. And it's super hard. And I'm like, oh, that's probably why we have labels, because it makes it easier to just, you know, it's easier to just label something and then ja, and then just leave it, you know, and it's super, it's so much harder to try and actually explain something. So it's like, you know, I'm not smart. I'm just a person who has had several experiences in which my, you know, connections of my brain have increased capacity to, you know, and I've compressed ideas in order, to, but no one wants to say that. Like, that's too much. It's just like, yeah, you're smart. I get it. Shut up. Move yeah. on to something else. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Language is a massive system of labels. Yes. And some of them are hor horrifying mm. and just do a lot of damage. Mm. So I, was, I, I thought that when you said that they have the lowest, I thought it was something to do with the actual courses of education, like the actual. Well, that could be process, too. That could which be is too. bad, which is also, I don't know. That's, I was just, cause the, the first half or three years out of my four for my major was really not education based. It was mostly the area that I was doing, you know, which was uh -huh. social sciences. Yeah. And, and that you, you have to write and read and yeah. Yeah. Well, see then, then that's interesting. So there's probably a lot to that. And that's probably coupled with the idea that it's so easy to get in. Like how, what, like, do you remember what the the qualifications to get into the education program was at your, when you were going to school? No, I don't remember. But I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I, there was a GPA base that you had to have and things like yeah, that. Yeah, because where I went, UCF, and the only reason I know this is because, <laughs> it's because the first time I went to college, I just dropped out and I didn't withdraw from my classes. Uh, yeah. So I got all Fs the last semester. So my GPA mm -hmm. when I went back to college was like a 1.2 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So then I built it up when I went back to like community college, but it was just at like a 2.1. So by the time that I had to declare for a major, I had no options except for like uh, sociology and education because education, you had to have a 2.0. That was it to get in. Uh -huh. And everything else was like a three or a three, five. Why would that be? I don't know. But see, like in Finland, government, government job, I guess. Yeah. On some level, but like in Finland, it's the equivalent of getting into MIT. Yeah. Like they only have seven schools where they even allow you to have the education major. So, but I mean, so I mean, like, there's always truth in everything and you know, untruth in everything, untruth. But, um, uh, <coughs> I don't know, we're just going down a rabbit hole that doesn't even matter. But I was about to say, that's fine. Even we, with got, we got we got 10 minutes, we got 10 minutes, it can be a 10 minute rabbit hole. Well, just the uh, the idea of like the 3.0, 3.5 thing, like, obviously, you're probably gonna get mm -hmm. some bright people doing that, but you're also gonna get people who are just right in the box and willing to follow the rules. Oh, and, of course, of course. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's re there's some book about valedictorians that, or not research that they just, on average, don't do anything great. Mm. Because the, it really it just meant that you were really good at the system that you were in, and you weren't like some courageous free thinker kind of thing, mm -hmm. like innovator. So I think there's a lot to that. Mm -hmm. Um. 
But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, you know, and I don't want to simplify things because I think that's another thing that we do. Like talking to Diana, my wife about that stuff is like, we tend to simplify stuff to the point that we've really taken out all the important things about the ideas kind of thing. And I can't remember the specific example we were talking about, but I think just like with that, like, oh, we just need to make it harder to be a teacher. Well, that's kind of simplifying. And I think like you said, then, then the pro, the program needs to be harder. You know, it needs to give you better experiences because like that's the other thing in Finland and it's, it's six years. You have to write a thesis. Um, you are surrounded by educators who are excellent and like you are critiqued. Like you go to do your student teaching. You have five people in the room that are expert teachers that are giving you feed forward, as I call it now, mm-hmm. um, from I stole that from somebody else. I can't remember who, so I apologize for that. Um, and then... And like, it's this constant, excellent system that they've created to create, you know, and then, and then, but that's not enough. Cause then now their education system is one that allows that kind of those people to flourish. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it, it is so much change that you have to do. So I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know, but that's a good first step. I think is, is like, you want, you want the best people being teachers, you know, quite frankly. And I know that that's maybe not a popular thing to say that we we're different. <laughs> you know, people, <laughs> we have different capacities. And at the moment, I think we all have capacities to do all human things. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but the other two books I'm looking at, I think you would, have you heard of that homo sapiens or it's called sapiens. I've got it and haven't started it. Oh, so good. I'm only like three pages in. But You're I'm, the I'm second person this week. Oh, there you go. Signs. Yeah. Signs. Yep. And then the, yeah, there's another one called Big Data. Or no, no, no. Uh, Everyone Lies. Everyone Lies. So it's this guy's, uh, he's done a ton of research on Google searches. Mm-hmm. And because that's the place where we're honest. Because we lie on census, on polls, on interviews, but on Google and on the wow. internet, we are, we are our true person. And so wow. as a, psycho- a psychology guy too, it's super interesting. So I, I got, I was about 30 pages into that, but I gave that up to read Sapiens because I had been wanting to read Sapiens for a while. So I've started that. So, but really it almost explains the Trump win. <clears throat> um, and that racism is rampant in the U S and it's not a North South thing. It's an East West thing. Um, East West thing. Well, he Googled, he tracked, the places with the n-word in google searches followed by jokes or uh-huh. like when obama was president um because everyone thought we were in a new utopia of non-racism once obama was elected um, uh-huh. because everyone lied on their surveys like you know if you get polled you're like no i'm not a racist you know i love everyone and then you mm-hmm. go home and you type in n-word jokes in your google search well, I think you're probably a racist. Mm. Um, and so what he did is he looked for where that was popular, like where that was, um, where the most people did that. And so he found that in the top 20% of the areas of the United States, like, you know, I would, maybe counties, I want to say, I think it was counties, the top 20% most racist jokes kind of searched for uh, all went to Trump. Hmm. It was it was all along the east, all in all in that area, and nothing out west. So I thought that was interesting because <laughs> most people yeah. think racism is just a southern thing, and that's that's not accurate at all. So yeah, 
Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting tidbits like that in there, and kind of his his view on things, and and kind of this because this is the most information we've ever had on like the human psyche. So, um, yes. I can't wait. I mean, I'd love to be maybe maybe with the advancements, you and I'll have like mechanical bodies, and we'll be able to see what's going on in 150 <laughs> years. But I can't wait to see where they learn about us from yeah. all this data that's being saved through our internet searches mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. You know, I can't remember if I told you this before too, but imagine how history is going to be different in the future. Like, regardless of the persona you give to mm-hmm. people in the outside world, everything you've ever searched for is recorded. Yep everything you know what i'm saying like yeah and and maybe there's no everything you ever put a like on uh Mm -hmm. and i don't know how deep it goes maybe they know how long you stared at like i've heard like on instagram or wherever there's some algorithm that sees how long you stared a photo yeah i'm sure so imagine what you're going to know about people in good ways and bad ways yeah imagine writing a biography in 100 years yeah no i (laughs) it's a long one right Well, I'm just Not saying. Like, imagine, imagine if you had all these guys like who's a favorite, like Lincoln. Imagine mm-hmm. if Lincoln had Google, and you and you're yeah, writing yeah. a biography about Lincoln now. Like, just uh, imagine the data. True. You know, that's true. Oh, that's there's a whole. You just you just gave somebody an idea for a whole uh, biography, like a fake biography series. Like, what would Lincoln have been searching for? And like, you take mm-hmm. all the famous famous dead people, and you're like, what would have been there? You know, Google. Google searches. There, used to be so much, <laughs> I don't know if this is a true statement, but I was about to say it used to be so much easier to control the persona that you give. But maybe now it's yeah. easier. I don't know. Maybe, you know, your Facebook page and, and, and all your social media is obviously given the best of you. You're not showing any of the bad, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it, on that though, but you're right. Like it's, we can control that more. And so now it's even more fake. Like, you know, you were talking about how our ego like is an illusion on some level. Well, now that's the superego. I mean, that this thing is just a complete illusion of mm. what you show online. And then the complete you is what you don't show online. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's you. So mm-hmm. on some level, well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say on some level, you know, we're all, all those parts, but, uh, um, yeah. So it would be, I, w- one of my hopes there that you were, t- when you were saying that is like, maybe we'll get a better grasp on who we are and, Oh, most people aren't violent. You know, maybe that'll help us to be as a society more peaceful. You know, because we had talked about that one time. Like, if you think history is violent, and then that you had come up with that idea about that just perpetuates our need to be violent is because we believe we are violent, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So maybe that could be something good that comes out. Unless a lot yeah. of people are just watching violent videos all the time, which could possibly be true. So yeah, mm. I was um, wondering, like. One thing that always got like sometimes when I do start to get tired of being in a particular place mm-hmm. as far as being a teacher, yeah. it's usually the institutional culture that gets to me. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. start to feel stifled, yeah, as a person. Um, so, and then talking about like the part you show the world and the part you don't, this leads me to this question mm-hmm. How much of Mr. Light has been? <laughs> yeah, you ever think about that? Yeah, I do. And that's, um, especially when it comes to the adults, because I think kids see me more for who I am than adults do. Really? Yeah, for sure. And because I'm different with kids than I am with adults. Um, and that's one thing I'm trying to work on anyway, because I take, I take this stuff super seriously. Like I, I see, like I'm trying to like save the world kind of thing. Like that's my mission as an educator. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and when I run into people who don't have that same mindset, then I'm just like, Ugh, it's really hard for me to work, work with them. Mm. Um, or that aren't coming from a, a spot of love. Like if I don't think you love all the kids, like it's hard for me to a, take you seriously, but I, I need to start helping people, but I don't know how to do that mm. in a good way. So I seem, I probably seem upset a lot and angry and like super serious. And I think probably people think I'm like that outside too outside of work. Um, but with my kids, with the students, I'm not like that at all. I mean, I, I, I do when I find something super serious, like I will talk about it extremely seriously, but that, that is one thing I'm trying to work on with like my craft is like really bringing in the enthusiasm I feel about it instead of the seriousness. So I go back and forth and I think I've done a better job of that this year. Um, but I definitely think my students see more of who I am really than the, than teachers do. How about mm. yourself? Uh, it's changed depending on where I've been. Yeah. Um, but definitely I remember early on when I didn't know about like after my first two years teaching in public school system, Mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of really got to me was that, um, I felt like I wasn't becoming all that I could be. I don't know how to explain. Like I almost like it's weird. They say like, Hey, what do you do? And then you, or, you know, like you say what you do to define who you are. Like I'm a teacher, I'm a baker Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. I'd love to just be like, I'm an artist. I'd love to have yeah. the courage to say that. Yeah. Except for awesome. I don't paint or draw anything, you know. <laughs> right. But, that's, that's but I would love to be able to do that. I would love to just start doing that. Yeah. But you are an artist. Um, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we all are, aren't we? But, yeah. um, but uh, definitely there's, in that context, like in high school, I mean, there's, if a kid asks you, have you ever smoked weed? I mean, Mm-hmm. Kale would say, "Yeah, but Mr. Simpson has to uh, Absolutely responsibly not, lie." Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Mr. Simpson has to responsibly lie to the kids, you know, and take away a great opportunity to be able to actually teach someone about something. Well, but I think the institution requires that as also. Of course, I mean everything in this context. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. Yeah, but hopefully, like not that. teaching them where to get it. You know that. No, be. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just okay. Wow, you just gave me another idea of class. <laughs> what classes are mandatory? Uh, There's one. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think uh, that one would be, for me, it's like, here's your brain, and this is the impact. Because the impact stuff has on your brain. Yeah. So, especially as a young person, you know, before that 25 thing. That would, I just want to at least, I've been talking to my fifth graders about that, so. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yeah, but like this the identities, right? We have so many identities. Mm-hmm. Like, and what defines us? So, like, almost like politically, um, and I don't want to be like I, I want to be. I want to get to a place in life where I can, where I am just me. That's why I like the artist thing because I like when I see artists, they don't really give a shit what you think, <laughs> right. you know. And uh, yeah. I want to be like that, and and I think that there's environments that even in education that are closer to that. I'm in one now, but you know, a politician is never giving you the truth. They're always giving right. you their persona. And a teacher does yeah. that a little bit or a mm. lot, depending on mm. where you are and who you are, you know? True. True. Do you need to go? Is it time for the yoga? Yeah. We're okay, man. Wrap it up. All right, brother. Hey, that, uh, I've got some good, like some fun ideas on the list about the topic that we want to okay, discuss. Cool. So let's try to do that next time. Yeah. Yes, sir. Love it. Yeah. And send me those books, send me a link or something. <laughs>
I will. I will definitely. Yeah, and then if you've been reading anything or articles or videos or something, because uh, just I wanted to tell you one last thing. Uh, Juan David was showing me this article. Well, he's shown the the lady an article about um, uh, corporations as organisms. And I was like, oh my god, that's Alan Watts. That's from the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a, and then I was like, I felt so great that I could connect that in. But uh, so this is a new idea. Like this is this this idea of looking at your your the people that you li- work with as an organism is now uh-huh. quote unquote new. And I was like, oh my god, no! I, I was listening to a video about this from Alan Watts. Like, and so he's like, who Alan Watts? And I was like, yeah, check all that stuff out. It's awesome. So, one of these awesome. Dude. He, he studied philosophy. He you know, yeah, yeah, he's a great guy to work with. All right, brother. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes, sir. See you later. And so we come to another end of Idea Farm. Thank you so much for your time. Um, We appreciate it. And if you feel like giving us a rating over on iTunes, we'd appreciate that too. Or the Stitcher, I guess, as well. Well, all right. Until next time.